picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm backing up good vibrations. She's giving me Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Positive Living Vibrations with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest all the way from Scotland, Kathy DeVitt. Divas, mm, well, sometimes they're born that way. Life demands can leave those dreams behind, those inspirations they once had, those visions that they aspire to, and they fall behind them, never to be fulfilled. But Kathy, who had that dream, who had that inv- um, inspiration, who had that vision as a, to be a writer as a child, now has aspired to make it happen. And it made it happen. She has indeed. She lives over in Scotland, and this is her first book. It is one of three, so it is a trilogy. And she has decided to tell a tale of Don't Drink and Fly. A Witch's Tale of Adventure. It's never too late to embrace your diva again. And when you do, you truly know what your life purpose really is. This isn't just something that she's doing because, you know, she's got the time or it's, you know, feels like good to do it. She's compelled to do it because she knows that this is something that she was always meant to be. A writer bringing new wonderful tales. So, what is Don't Drink and Fly? Bernice is a witch living in Glasgow. She loses her way in life and wanders off the beaten track, looking for a garden of enlightenment. Bernice is a witch, with many, many skeletons in her closet. She has an addictive personality, works as a holistic therapist, and struggles to maintain an intimate relationship. Her spells are not always accurate as they could be, often the result of having way too many goblets of red wine. When mysterious letters start appearing at her door, she begins to think about her childhood and, with the help of her long-suffering friend Maggie, tries to come to terms with her past and the family she left behind. But nothing in Bernice's life is ever that simple. Sounds really intriguing, doesn't it? And I can't wait to read it. But let us understand the author and how this tale came about. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you. So, first time author, compelled to write this book, always wanted to write Why Don't Drink and Fly and Why a Witch? The title Don't Drink and Fly came after I was carrying out some research about being a Wiccan witch and I discovered that um, you don't have to be Wiccan to be a witch and you don't have to be a witch to be Wiccan. The, the girl that gave me most of my information is now a good friend of mine, Pauline, and she is a high priestess. But she also likes the odd glass of red wine. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, through listening to her tales and that of her friends, it would seem that there are quite a few mishaps that that occur when they're trying to, you know, cast spells under the influence or, <laughs> you know, um, and they, they go a bit astray. So that, that gave me the title for it. To make it, I, I work a lot with humour. I'm, I'm from Glasgow and, and Glaswegians tend to be known for their sense of humour. So humour had to come into the book at some point. Oh, and humour is something we all need, right? You know, we get so many books on kind of doom and gloom or, you know, murder mysteries or this or that. It's nice to have something that's an adventure, that's a mystery, that has that sense of humour in it. And we always find something about ourselves in that humour, don't we? Yes. I, I think um, the, the, the late Robin Williams, who unfortunately just died this year, he was in a film, Patch Adams. I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone's yeah. seen that. And um, I have, I've actually trained as a laughter therapist, laughter yoga therapist. So laughter is a great um, way of dealing with stress and all sorts of things in your life, really. It releases adrenaline and different, you know, chemicals in your brain. So everybody should laugh a yeah, lot. I, I absolutely agree. And in fact, if you are feeling sick, you know, before you go running off to the doctor for that drug, take a day off, wrap yourself up on the couch, get some comfort food that's nutritious and put on funny movies and just simply laugh yourself better. Yes, obviously people have medical conditions too, 
but I know myself there are certain things, they're not even meant to be comedy programmes, but they make me laugh, like just now the Scottish referendum makes me laugh. Yes, there's a there's a, a something out on YouTube right now by by one of our comedians over here, and he's done a 15 minute thing on it. And I have to admit, his you know he's been really funny, you know, like Braveheart, you know, an anti-Semitic, you know, uh, Australian Catholic, you know, playing a Scottish, you know, lord, you know. Um, so yes, there are things that we can really truly find funny, and as human beings, I'm sure you know we're writers' dream because human beings can be hilarious with our decision-making and the things that we do. Yes, absolutely. Um, obviously, you've got to be take responsibility for whatever choices you make in life and for whatever decisions that you make. But I think if more people had a smile on their face, the world would be a happier place. Um, I have a show called Asara, which is just me every week, and my music to that is um, Carol King's Beautiful. You've got to get up every morning with a smile on your face and show the world all the love in your heart. And I think if we actually kind of looked at that principle and greeted the day with the smile instead of the grimace, you know, we may receive those smiles back that will make us feel so much better. I think you do. That's absolutely true, because if you're standing at a bus stop feeling down going into work on a Monday morning, if you just smile at the person next to you, they smile back. It's like a mirror reflection. Yeah. Yeah, you ref- you know, what you get back is what you're dishing out. So, you know, one has to be wary of that. So let's get back to you being a writer as a child. So you used to love writing as a child and then obviously life expectations took you in a different way and you went on to being... You know, uh, probably a very, very important job that's contributed a great to deal to many people's lives. But, you know, the writer in you had to come back out. You know, what what kind of things did you like to write as a child? As a, as a child, I used to write poetry and lyrics, but most of all, I like to do drama. I like to write plays and perform. Um, where I lived, it was in a council estate and all the children would gather out in the, the back court, like the back garden. It was a communal garden, and mm-hmm. we would, I, would, I would write a play and give everyone a part. I was always the star role. <laughs> of course, you've got your priorities, and then, right? <laughs> yeah, and, th- and then we would put on concerts for various neighbours and torture them with their talent. <laughs> my kids used to do the same. Um, you know, I had a friend, I have three, and my friend had three, and whenever we went over there, we'd make it a day affair and, um, you know, stay for dinner, vice versa, each other's homes. And the kids would invariably just go to the dress-up box and come out with a play that they've put on together. And it would be, you know, ridiculous, but just hilarious. And they were having so much fun that you couldn't help but kind of laugh and be lifted by it. Yes. I I look through old family photographs and the different generations, we're all the same. Yeah. (laughs) We've all got this bursting to be on stage. So how come you didn't pursue that road? Well, I left school at 16, which was the earliest that I could leave school. It wasn't that I wasn't academic. I, I was always top of the class. I was in the A student class, but I was absolutely bored with school. Mm-hmm. We, there was a drama class, but only the, the people who couldn't pass the academic courses were allowed into the drama class. So I wasn't allowed in. And oh, I used to, that's I used nice. To, <laughs> I know. I used to go and I used to watch them and beg to be in the plays and all this kind of thing. So I left school and after about three months, my mum said, go back to school. That's silly. Get your, you know, your hires, qualifications. But I just couldn't stand the school. The the, the way they dealt with children, it it wasn't individual. They didn't look at you as an individual. And they sort of mocked you if you said you wanted to do anything other than what they thought you should do. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, they they just wanted to make droids out of you. So, yeah, uh, it's a it's a pity that we cannot in, in, you know embrace children's individualism and their and their dreams because everybody is born a diva. Where a child is born with that ability to dream, to be inspired by the life around them, to have visions of achievement and aspire to make that happen. And when you go into the school system and 
you know it it takes away all form of individuality and it just puts you all together as sheeple herding you from one class to the other and wonders why you know we have a bad economic structure and uneducated people out there because they haven't done anything to inspire them but that's another show (laughs) (laughs) so that's Sorry, there are a lot of, you know, Richard Branson. Oh, yes. Alan Sugar, all these people, they all left school quite early. Yeah. They've obviously got their own talent because they've become successful in a way that they wanted to do. So I think while academic qualifications are excellent, you know, it gives you a piece of paper that says you can do something. I think there's not enough based on creativity. People don't focus. They don't see that as a proper job if you want to be an actress or a writer. Well, yet, you know, look at the uh, filming industry or the movie or TV industry around the world. And you, you know, you look at exactly how much money it puts in and how many people it employs. um, And why is it not considered a serious industry? You know, are people, even the academic people, not watching TV? Do they not go to movies? Do they not listen to radio? And where do they think all of these productions come from? They certainly don't come from the academic realm. Imagine if they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think creativity is something that you can't be taught. You've got to have a nugget of gold there already. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously you can be taught the, the, the whys and the why nots of something, but you've got to have that within you, like a flame burning inside that you really want to do it. Absolutely. I, I do, yeah, because everybody's given a gift. And it's for us to find out what that gift is. And, and it sometimes can be really seen as a child. And it's, you know, it's a pity it can't be nurtured right there. But, you know, in your case, you know, you left school, but you, you did the laughter yoga therapy, which, as again, I think is, is a wonderful thing to do. Um, you joined a performing festival theatre. Um, but, you know, clearly your creativity going into laughter yoga therapy you brought it into that so you know it's not always just the acting that you can have the creativity you can have it in many other realms yes absolutely it's just something that you have within you and I think um, I I see things maybe differently from other people and they they say oh that's really good I would never have put those two colours together for example Yeah. and I think but it's so obvious and people have got different ways of thinking about things Yes, and that's what makes us all wonderfully different and you yeah. know unique and everything else. So um, the the festival theatre, the laughing yoga, uh, you know, when was it that that little book tapped you on the shoulder and said, "Write me"? Okay, um, my father my father died ten years ago, and four years before that, he, he, he took a stroke and he was really he couldn't speak after it. That was always my inspiration because he was a great public speaker and he was a writer, not a famous writer. He just he wrote a lot of things. And um, I felt, you know what, life is too short. So I joined a writer's group, a local writer's group, and I started to set pieces of work that I had written and I started to get involved with different writers' community. And when you meet writers, they tend to be multi-talented. Mm-hmm. Most of them are artists or dancers. You know, they've got all this creativity inside and they express it in different ways. So um, after I'd written a few stories and you start to get, you know, it's nice. You walk into a, a shop and there's a magazine and you open it up and there's a story that you've written in it. I suppose it's big-headed, but you think, oh, <laughs> you know, you would never expect me from my background to do this because it's always battered into me by teachers you know, that's not the road you're going down. Um, So I decided to write the book when I felt I had so much to do. I wanted to just produce something, not for money, not for fame, but just for me to prove to myself that I could do it. Yeah. And also it was your calling. I mean, clearly the, you know, the little girl who had, you know, all those scripts that she wrote and all the stories that she wrote, you know, it was for you to have it now but you had to have some life experience underneath your belt so that when you did get to writing you could incorporate that in it yes I think that's important obviously I've been through various life experiences some the same as other people and some totally unique to myself and I think no matter what experience life throws at you it's how you deal with it it's not you can't always blame things that have happened to you but you should take on board it's how you deal with it 
Yes, and that's uh, that's the important thing. And you know, you're in, you're entitled to a meltdown now and again, but it's how you get back up. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, uh, other than a radio station, we also are a company that helps people make better choices in, for themselves in life. And when we know how to make those choices or, or who to invite to help us make those choices, you know, it just makes life a lot more cohesive for ourselves. And you know, that's sometimes what we have to do is realize it's not all about just us finding the answers but you know collectively finding people that can help you make the answers um and so many people i think everybody i interview have had something in their life that was their redirect for you your father and it was yes life is short what are you waiting for get on with it yes <laughs> so you're inspired by your your um witch friend who liked a little bit of the goblet Yes. And um, and just uh, you know a few of the things that they did of uh, you know uh, do not mix spells and uh, and uh, a drink and <laughs> all these type of things. Um, so tell us a little bit you know uh, more about this um, this lady who is uh, a witch and discovers something that takes her onto an adventure. Um, Paul, uh, the, the Bernice is the character in the book, and basically Bernice. Um, She's been brought up by her grandmother, her grandparents. Her grandfather's not a very nice person, and her grandmother was a lovely person and very spiritual. And this is where Benice picks up and realises her own spirituality. And when I was researching it, I was introduced to various um, different festivals and people. And I found that people that were, were working this way, they had so much in common with me, and I never realised it before because um, their, their basics were simple, was to appreciate what you have and appreciate earth and to give back. You know, what you give out, you'll get it back threefold. So the, the whole experience was really interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Have you discovered your own spirituality connection through this? I think I, I probably have been quite a spiritual person but didn't actually realise it. I don't put a name on it. I don't put a right. label on myself. But I know in my own heart that I'm a good person. I'm a very caring person, sometimes to my own detriment. Yes. Because I, I put other people before myself, and that's something that I'm trying to get out of doing, um, just because there's only so much of me to give, and if I'm a stronger person, I can give more. So I have to pull back sometimes and say, no, I'll have to take some time out to myself now. And that is something that's really, really important, you know, um I'm always saying to people, place importance upon you um, because, you know, if you're not full, if you're not abundant, how can you help other people? You can't help people if you're depleted. So you can't bring happiness to people if you're unhappy. Um, You know, you can't help people unravel their own mysteries if your mystery has got you all tied up in a knot. So first and foremost, we have to help ourselves because only then can we truly have the strength, the knowledge and the understanding to help anyone else. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely true. And what you can do or what I can do is share my experiences with people. And if someone's going through something like a bereavement or whatever, something that I've gone through, don't say I know exactly how you feel because you don't. No. Everyone's unique. The way they respond to a situation is unique. Just be there for them. Be supportive. Yeah. And be a good listener. Yeah. And you can say I know how I felt when this happened yes. to me, and uh, you know, and each each feeling is unique. And I'm there for you. You know, and that's the thing is, uh, give the invitation to that person to talk when they're ready. Um, and. And know when it is that they they are ready, but don't push them before they are, because uh, everybody has their own grieving time. Yes, that's correct. So Bernice is on an adventure. Uh, I love this um, drawing that you have here of a, a quaint little centre town, the double-decker buses, the Morris Miners, um, you know, the gazebos, the horses. I mean, you've really got it all mixed up in here, which I love. Um so this is the main street in uh, Bridgeton Cross. Um, is yes. this is this where things kind of take place? Uh, that's actually where I grew up. I grew up in Bridgeton. It's in the east end of Glasgow. That's where I, I was born, and then I moved to the south side of Glasgow. Obviously, um, being from Glasgow and still living here, I have a very good memory of various things in the city. 
And sometimes, like any city, it gets a bad name for all the bad things that happen, but there's so much love and support in this city. And I just wanted to show that through the book. That's why I chose to write it within Glasgow rather than some other place or some made-up place. Yeah, why not? You know, I mean, I've, I've been there only once in my life. Um, actually got caught a Scottish in me. I'm a Macintosh. <laughs> so, which I think comes out now and again. Um, but this is a lovely drawing. Did you do this yourself? No, no, that's just a print. It's a print. It's not mine. Ah, it's wonderful though, and I can you can kind of looking at that see kind of the setting to which your story takes place, um, which I think is great. Um, you know, um, being a first time author, you know, it has its moments where it feels a little scary, and. Um, you know, you've got a trilogy here. It's not just a one book. You know, you've got it going off into two other books to conclude its story. Uh, was that something you always set out to do? Or this, when you started writing it, you noticed that this is going to be three books long? When I started writing it, I started it, I, I wanted to write a novel. And I was lucky enough, uh, we have the Scottish Book Trust here in Edinburgh, and they um, support creative arts. I applied to them and uh, I got a new writers award which basically was I was given a mentor to work with a professional person and she an agent and we went through everything and she said there's, there's too much here for a novel but we don't want to scrap too much of it because it's so good why don't you split it into three novellas and I thought that's a great idea because also that the story it is the story of Bernice going from dark into light mm. So, so my idea is the first book will be a bit dark. That's telling you about all, sort of setting the scene, the dark things that have happened to her. The second one, she's starting to get her life together a bit better. And by the end, she'll be in the light. So that's the way I've kind of worked it out. And, you know, when a story has to be told, you, you really do have to make sure that you don't, you know, bastise it to such a point that you are actually diluting the real content of it so I'm glad that you extended it rather than try to kind of weed it down just for the sake of having so many pages in a book yeah I think I think a lot of people do that they go by the word count or they go by various different things but for me it depends why you're writing the book Mm -hmm. as I said earlier you know why you're doing this a lot of people they write and they're very successful but to me when I read their books they're almost the same with the names and places changed and I didn't want that. I wanted to take readers on a journey where they felt compassion and empathy with the characters. And I feel that's what I've done. Yeah. And I, I've been true to myself in that I've done it the way I want to do it. I've taken on board all the different things that people have said to me. But life isn't one colour. So, you know, it, it, this particular girl, Bernice, is going from darkness to light. And I wanted to show that in the book, and that's why I've split it into three. I want to reel people in, the readers, and hopefully build up a good readership with the first one. I would love for the readers to contact me with good or bad reviews on it and start a sort of reader family that are going mm-hmm. to go on this journey together with Bernice. That would be my ideal. I'm looking at um, your blog, and uh, Bernice... Um uh, you know, posted by Bernice. Is this the character that you're doing this as? Yes. Uh, so, lo- hello yourself. My name is Bernice O'Hannon. I was raised by an Irish granny on a Scottish island, so small that no one bothered to name it. I have typical Celtic look, carrot-kissed hair, a skin as pale as milk, and eyes of emerald green. And I'm writing this uh, daily uh, blog to reach out to invite you to talk to me. Things are a bit weird right now, as you'll see, and this strange woman is writing about my life in a trilogy called Novellas. So I want you to hear my side of the story. I also want you to buy the books and hear her side. More info on that. Oh, yeah, I'm a witch, and I'm a cheeky wee mirror, and I'm truly fictional character. Let's go and get to know each other. I love that. I love the fact yes. that you've made this character have her own blog. I mean, this is absolutely wonderful yes. and a, a great way of doing that. Um, so now people can actually have interaction with Bernice the Witch. 
Yes, but that's what I hope to do. When you're writing as a writer, you become your character in a way, or oh, your yeah. character become, becomes <laughs> you, or something happens along the way if you really immerse yourself in what you're doing. And you sometimes, if I'm out, I, I think, well, what would Bernice do in this situation? <laughs> you know. So. Well, you know, kind of wriggle her nose. Um, my daughter's name is Tabitha, and everybody, you know, said, but oh. what happened? She can't wriggle her nose. <laughs> And uh, boy, don't we wish she could now and again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, have you actually, you know, studied Wiccanism now? You know, is it a world that you've kind of embraced? I've studied it to the extent just researching for the book. I haven't any plans to become a witch myself or anything like that. But I'm going to the International Witch Fest again. That's in London on the 15th of November. I went to one before when I was writing the book, and, and I found that really interesting. There's a lot of workshops and speaking to different people who live their life that you know that way. I find it interesting. I've never committed myself to any religion or faith, or you know, I'm quite a singular person in that way. There's always something about something that doesn't suit me. But <laughs> so, maybe you're meant to be the observer and then write about yeah. it in ways that people can embrace it, rather yeah. than immersing yourself into it. Could be. Right. I mean, I've always been called a witch because I'm a very spiritual person and I have insight. Um, I'm, you know, a reader, not a, I don't call myself a fortune teller, I hate that word. Um, I just happen to be able to see people's roads and maps and their possibilities. Uh, they still have to walk them to make them happen. I just happen to be able to see what their options are. And, uh, you know, I've been called many names in my life and, you know, which was uh, definitely one quite often. And, you know, for me, it didn't bother me at all. Um, you know, never went into the casting of spells or, you know, to go in any deeper than that, you know, um, just really lived by my own drum here. Uh, but people do really like to come up and put a label on things, don't they? You know, categorize. Yeah, but that that goes back to my childhood in school. I don't want to be put in a box, and yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a one-dimensional person. Nobody is, so don't don't you decide what you're going to label me as. I'll decide yeah. myself. <laughs> um, when you were doing this, um, do you? Is it tarot cards or crystals? No, I'm a Romany reader, so I don't oh, do. Right. I use um, ordinary playing cards and also gypsy cards, right. and uh, they're just purely to. Um, you know, clarify what I'm actually seeing in my visions. And it's a, a weird thing. I hear what I see. So it's kind of you know, hard to explain it. Um, it. Timing is something that's always hard, hard to do because there is no time in the in the spiritual world. Um, so, you know, time is always a little bit off sometimes and sometimes spot on because it depends on how, how heavy the vibration is. But it's, um, I'm a knowingness person. And it's uh, that you know when you what you know at the time you need to know it and it comes in through your soul which is your gut your instincts you can feel it through your belly that's the divine truth it resonates with your heart this is where you're really truly beginning to understand that knowledge it's given to your spirit where you now take action articulate or physical and your mind ignites knowing what it needs to know at the time it needs to know it in utter clarification and no doubt and in that i get into that knowingness when i do my readings or when i'm working with my clients when did you discover that you had this gift? Is it something that's been passed down in the family? or? Yeah, I was born this way. Um, yeah. For me, I was a sickly child, and back then, it's the moment you got sick, you went to bed, and I could be in bed for three months at a time. Not actually the thing that you should do at that time. You know, I should be been out doing different things to overcome it, but in those days, off to bed you went. And uh, I was alone a lot, and so I actually played and talked to dead people, um, and, uh, you know, I thought that everybody did. And, uh, you know, I was in and out of dimensions and worlds. And uh, it's only when I went to kind of boarding school, I didn't have too many friends. When I went to boarding school, I was the odd one out. And, um, you know, kind of was confused why nobody else could do what I could do. Because I'd, I come from a kind of a more of an academic and business family. So although my mother, you know, is a reader, um, she doesn't have all those other things as well. So it, it is passed down. It just wasn't embraced by their family uh, so openly. For me, I couldn't do anything else but be. Yes. Was it quite frightening for you then when you were a young girl? No, that's where I was at peace. 
All right, so you understood what was happening yeah, then? Yeah, I was more real there than I ever fitted in into the real world, so-called real world. <laughs> the, the, the real world. <laughs> the human realm. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's always been that way. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm a spiritual counselor of over 40 years. And it's just because I, through what I can see and the possibilities that I can see, I counsel people to embrace those possibilities and find that strength and let go of their fear to embrace their own world. It must be very fulfilling what you do. Uh, fulfilling and frustrating. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, you know what people are like when they don't want to let go of the fear. And, you know, the other thing is that as every single human being has to do, and you have done, is we have to take responsibility for our own ownership. Um, you know, what has happened to us is what's happened to us. How we react and what we do, uh, you know, the choices we make for our lives and the actions we take is up to us. And so, you know, we have to take ownership for who we are and what we can ask for help. We're certainly, you know, um, people who are subject to what has happened to us. But whether we're going to let that cripple us or inspire us to overcome, that is up to us. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, like, you in the case of your father, this is the when you knew there is no more time to waste. There's, there's a book in me, uh, there's the writer in me. Um, I'm not going to let society in its ignorance dictate who, what, why. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go and get the tools and I'm going to build. That's, that's exactly what I did. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, and, you know, for, I mean, I'm, I'm a dyslectic and I can't spell to save my life. But there's still going to be a book coming out of me because I've got people screaming at me for it all the time. So I'm just going to find the tool that is easy for me to do. I'm going yeah. to speak <laughs> into... Yeah, so you can dictate it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then let somebody else do the writing of it or the editing of the writing, yeah. Because that, you know, that's the thing is, my brother is an author, a professional author. He's also um, a literary media skills uh, professor, retired now. Um, you know, for him, the discipline and the structure of writing books comes extremely easy. And for him, the truth of his real soul always comes out in his books. Yes. And uh, and that's what he was born to do. For him, words have been right from four or five, you know, have been important to him as words were so important to my mother. And he has that ability to bring a story that takes you down that rabbit hole of adventure. And his his genre now is youth. He writes for the teenagers. I love them because it takes me kind of back to that youth where you can do that adventure and you're not allowing your adult self to say, oh, I couldn't do that or I shouldn't do that. You just go on the journey with these adventurous youth who think they're you know, indestructible and, uh, you know, and go on the adventure along with it. So I wish I could write like him, but that wasn't my forte. That wasn't my journey. And so you have to embrace the journey that was given to you, don't you? Yes, uh-huh. So this isn't, go this isn't going to be the only books that you write, this trilogy, right? Um, I'm sure that you've got no. some other stories stored yeah. up uh, that are building up ready. Um, well, I have a lot of stories and poetry. I've had a lot of work published in anthologies. This is just the first thing that I've done on my own, the book on my own. Um, I, I never stop telling stories. I never stop writing stories. You know, it, it's just sort of in, my, in the culture that I was brought up in. That's what we do. Um, I, I love words. Uh, as you were saying, they, we all have different things. My, my daughter was setting her uh, examinations in mathematics, and I just didn't understand any of it. <laughs> I thought I don't that it's not even numbers. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Hieroglyphics or something. <laughs> yes. But um, you know, you know, when I see my nieces, they're doing different sciences and physics and I think oh I just couldn't I would kill myself <laughs> because it's not the way you were wired and that's the thing no. that we have to understand is that we're wired a particular way and it's for us to understand what those you know what that wiring is you know uh, we are not meant to be good at everything but we're, we're meant to have you know a general knowledge of things just enough to have a comprehension for it but when we find something that we're truly good at we're meant to nurture that and let that grow um you know, we're not meant to be all one, just, you know, 10% in everything, and that makes up 100%. It's not, we're not designed that way. 
No, definitely not. I mean, you, you, you can learn certain things if you have to, but sometimes it's torturous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can hear you, <laughs> like me sitting down trying to write a book. <laughs> so, yes, the audio, it will be. Um, do you find that it was a totally different discipline? I mean, you know, laughing yoga, you know, you, obviously it's physical and you, you've got to generate that laughter out of people and it's something that can really be contagious. Um, you know, a, a sitting down to actually write a book um, it requires a totally different discipline. Was that hard for you? It was hard for me because of work and family commitments, just finding the time and the space, you know, and to get some peace and quiet to do it. That's always been the difficulty, but you don't always have to write it down. You can, I keep notes in my head, I I can sort of record notes on my phone, you know, it's all the time. I don't have a specific time that I get up at six in the morning and write for three hours or anything like that, because my lifestyle just doesn't allow that to happen. Um, what I have found recently has been really good. I've been going to writers' retreats, and basically that's um, houses out in the countryside. And writers, you don't know anybody, but the one thing you have in common is that you all write. So you can go there and you get peace and space. And at meal times, you can speak to other writers if you want to. Mm-hmm. You can discuss your work with them. You can talk about what you're doing. Just and um, people who understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. rather than, you know, work and family, they just don't get it when you say you want peace. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know. Exactly. <laughs> but are you sure you don't want a cup of tea? No, I want peace. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How has your family embraced this now? Um, I, I think but they've always known that, you know, that's what I'm like. And my daughters are both creative as well. I think I've sort of shoehorned them into that. Um, but no, they're really happy and if, I think they're delighted that, you know, I finally got this book out because people kept saying, when is it coming? When is it coming? And my mum in particular, my mum's 80 and her next birthday, so she she's well chuffed. And, you know, and that's what I thought, I better get this out soon. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, it, it's... You know, what I do, uh, even with these interviews and, and uh, you know, what I do with, uh, you know, with our life fractals and, uh, you know... Um, discovering you know how to make better choices in your life is not something that my family can kind of comprehend it's not in their realm of understanding Um, but at the same time is that they have you know a certain respect for what I do because clearly what I do is doing something good and so you know it isn't always like you have to wait for people to totally get it as long as they get that you are out there making a difference and doing something you're proud of Yes, I think that's it. But if if I'm writing something and I'm really in the moment and I just need to do it and people keep interrupting me, I think, oh, no, because you lose the thread. Yes. You to- you're like, oh, no, I had a really good sentence there and I totally went out my head. So it's quite good if you can lock yourself away in a cupboard or something. <laughs> yes. Or lo- better still, lock your family in a cupboard. <laughs> There's another book. <laughs> The family digging underneath the stairs to get out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, as you said, recorder on your phone, you know, I find either when I'm driving or I go out for walks, and, you know, that's when all the inspiration comes and it's drats. I don't have anything to record on. And, uh, and you know, it's especially when you are uh, living in your now person, it's there visiting you in your now and it's not necessarily come back to you later. Do you no. find that? Yes, and sometimes when you wake up, good writers are always supposed to have a, a book by their bedside and note down their dreams when mm-hmm. they wake up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but some of us have got to get the family out to work and school. Um, and sometimes like that, you wake up and it's in that nanosecond when you wake up, you have an absolute gem mm-hmm. of an idea and see it if you don't get that written down right away. It's lost forever. Yeah, so it's either grab the phone and audio it or quickly write it down. Uh, yeah, my brother took a whole year uh, where every single morning when he's in that like twilight zone before you know before he he wakes up, um, he would write down his dreams, and then yeah. he. I, analyzed those dreams and and wrote a most fabulous book which unfortunately never came out which is a pity because it was really intriguing um what those dreams were the you know the visits into the different dimensions so i think what we have to do is 
is just say, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time, but my day only starts at that time, and allow maybe half an hour of you just lying there and letting the night's information come to you. Yes, I think if you can do that, it has to be pretty early before the rest of the house gets Yeah, up. yeah. Definitely. And, you know, it's people don't understand that, you know, with writing, it's it's not just the discipline of getting down and putting the words on paper, the words and the story and the everything has to come to you. And, uh, you know, you do need that peace and quiet. You do need that solitude to do that. This is why many famous writers have rented cottages out in the country and disappeared for a few months to write a book. Yes, I think that I have had a little taste of that with the writer's retreats. Mm -hmm. They're normally only for five days at a time, but those five days are very precious to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel selfish at all. I just go and I think, no, this is my time. Exactly. No, nor should you. You're fulfilling your diva. And that is an example to your girls to live up to their dreams, inspiration, visions, and and aspire to make them happen, which requires that sometimes other people, you know, have to fend for themselves and allow you that time to, you know, to embrace your own gift. It's important that we teach our kids that. Yes, I I think it brings you back as a better person as well, you know. Yeah. if If you're getting to the point where it's all work and no play, you really need a break to do something. And what I do is constructive, you know, it's it totally energizes me. I can come back with a different attitude. Yeah, and that rubs off on everybody else. It does. Uh-huh. Are you still doing your laughing yoga? I don't do it so often now. Um, I was doing corporate events for quite a while and incorporating it into that. And that was really strange because at corporate events, people, the only thing they have in common is they work in the same place. Mm-hmm. They're not always easy to loosen up. Yes. You know, because the boss, the boss is there or the yeah. cleaner's there, you know. But eventually people do. You do kind of bring them on board. But I've been concentrating on the book um, this past year, so that's mostly what I've been doing. Good, and glad that you've had, been able to do that. So the first book is coming out when? 31st of October. Ah, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And people can pre-order it. Yes, it's available online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Watersons, all, all the various book sites, it's there. Excellent. And uh, so they can pre-order it and be able to get it for Halloween. Um, what age group would you say it's for? I mean, it everybody, is, but you know, is there any particular age group that it's targeted? Well, I would say it is for adult women, like women over 18, not because there's anything particularly raunchy in it, but... Um, I think someone said to me that the illustration on the cover looked a bit as if it could be for children. And I thought, I hadn't thought of that. It's my, my friend's an illustrator and asked her to do it. But it's definitely for adults, I would say over 18. Right. Unless they're a very streetwise. Mature. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which there are many of them out there nowadays, definitely. No, I, I don't want to be getting sued or anything. So right, yes, forget, yes. PG, PG-13 not, right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and you know, you, you know that um, if it reaches another age group and, uh, you know, they're okay with it, that's their choice and their demographic, but you'll be playing safe there. And, you know, I think also actually having, you know, you've got kids today that are rushing to grow up. You know, they want to be adults, can't wait to be adults. And, of course, when they become adults and realise the responsibility of being an adult, I want to be a kid again. Um, so if, you, if you've got a book there that embraces, you know, the 18 on, it, it can kind of just bring out that kid and that that mystery and that whimsical, in you know, out of a person, can't it? Yes, I mean, my, my younger daughter's 17 and, and her and some of her friends have read it, but it depends on... I don't think you can judge someone by their age because there's 17 year olds that are just yes. can't cross the street without a map, you know. So um, it's the reason I say over 18s is because it is dealing with relationships and there's comedy, there's tragedy, there's romance, there's everything in it. There's nothing you wouldn't see before the watershed on the television. Mm-hmm. But um, I think childhood is very, very precious and I, I wouldn't encourage my own girls to grow up too soon because I've never really grown up <laughs> you know like I still I still think I'm a wee girl sometimes um, but there's nothing explicit in it and I, th- I think yeah I, I don't think anybody at 14, 15 would pick it up and be shocked or need 
but they might me, they might miss some of the points which are adult orientated. Yeah, yes, but I don't think it's anything they won't have heard in this uh-huh. day and age before. And uh, you know, I love the fact that you you know, not growing up, so to speak. I mean, you you know, that's the thing is that people think that choosing not to kind of grow up is being a lack of responsibility. And there's two different types of not growing up. There's the, I'm not going to grow up and take any responsibility. I'm just going to act like a child all my life and irresponsible. But there's the other people that are not growing up is, I realize my responsibilities, but I'm going to keep my youthful outlook because it's always what keeps me in inspiration. It keeps me in admiration of what is possible in life. Yeah, I think um, I had said that to you before. My mother said my first words were, but why? And my second words were, but why not? <laughs> yeah. And, and I still have that attitude to life. Um, my, my daughters took me on a, it was one of these adventure things up the mountains and I zip slide through the forest over the top of the trees. Lovely. Uh, and they conned me and I'm not, a, I'm not a sporty person. They said to me I had to go because they needed someone over 18 with them. The next thing I knew, I was flying through the trees <laughs> on a harness and then um, there was a whole assault course to go through, but they were laughing, and I thought, don't laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the whole assault course. It took me about five times what it took everybody else, but I did it and flew into nets and hung upside down. And I thought, well, if I don't try, I'll never know. Exactly. You know? And it was a wonderful experience. It was really good. Well, especially very, the flying. You actually knew how a witch feels now. It was scary. <laughs> it was very scary. Really? <laughs> yeah, you had to climb up trees on rope ladders and then walk across, you know, rope bridges and then jump off a tree into a big net. It was it was crazy. <laughs> yes, and kudos to you because my physical body wouldn't allow me to do that. You know, I'm a great adventurer and uh, here I am about to move again. Um, and it's, you know, I love new, you know, new blood, new people, um, a new environment, yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, just the new opportunities that everything brings. And, you know, I've invested and delved into new companies and new things. And sometimes they haven't always worked out and I've lived out of my car. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not into that anymore. I'm about to turn 60. So definitely not into that anymore. Give me a comfort of my home. But, you know, I think until we... Unless we kind of push ourselves and, you know, choose to take things that are out of our comfort zone, we're inclined to get old way too quick and life will become very blah. Yes, I I think, I don't know, do you have the the drink in Canada called Martini? The drink, yes. Yes, and uh, there used to be an advertisement for that and it said any time, any place, anywhere, that's the Martini girl. And that's what my friends always say about me. Because they only have to say, would you like to? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what will keep you young. And that's what will keep you adventurous. That will keep your creativity alive. And, you know, that will be what will carry you through in life. So it's a, it's, it's a wonderful attitude to have. Yeah. I think when you do take on new experiences and new opportunities, you meet people that you would never meet exactly. in your normal day-to-day life. And, and they can totally enrich your life. <sighs> I've, you know, I mean, I actually um, wouldn't have had the, you know, ever considered online radio, um, you know, had it not been from some, you know, bizarre things happening. And it's, you've just got to put yourself out there. And and the thing is, is to be authentic, you know, uh, to, to know who you are, or at least like part of you. And, you know, don't compromise your integrity, but be willing to compromise, you know, what you know and embrace what you don't know and you don't know it until you try it exactly and you might try it and love it you might try it and hate it but at least you've you've tried it and you've done it (laughs) i loved it so much i started my own station (laughs) (laughs) so i found my niche and you know uh, when somebody said would you like a radio show uh you know on my network it's like i'd never done it before my first show was a was a monty python the recording wasn't working properly um planes were flying over um you know i wasn't on the air i mean you name it what went wrong could go wrong and i thought okay that has to be the worst of it i did um 15 months of live radio which I don't do anymore as you can see and retrograde coming in my guest disappearing uh, me disappearing but that's what kind of made life interesting and you know it's 
I have met some extraordinary people like yourself on this station, and it's a uh, it's so inspiring to see people say. I don't care how old I am. I have a dream and I'm going to fulfill it. I'm just going to do it. So kudos to you. Yeah, I, I think like that, people think you should start to slow down. But it's at this stage in life that you're starting to know yourself. Exactly. And you've made your mistakes, hopefully. <laughs> no hopefully no you. more. But <laughs> Most of them. Yes. <laughs> but, um, no, it, it's true. It's just like it's a great age to be. And you're, I'm in my 50s too. And um no, I'm just loving it. I've got everybody around me retiring, and here I am going, yes, I'm talking about the next 10 years of my career. <laughs> and it's, yeah. as long as you love it, uh, it's not work. Yeah, so the, the thing is, find something you love. I'm sure you're going to be writing for many, many years for as long as that creativity comes to you and you love it. I hope so. Uh, so obviously this is your time. You know, this is your time to be true to this and you've clearly got, you know, good imagination to, to come out to us. So I'm looking forward to see what you bring forth to us. But, you know, I, I just love this blog thing and I can't wait <laughs> for people to read the book and then Bernice to really have this blog conversation with people and, you know, have this character really come to life. Rather like Harry Potter, right? Um, well, no better than Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, the whole thing is is making it feel so real that people connect. Because yeah, so. when they do, they feel familiar and they see they see a reflection of themselves. Yes, that's, that's what I hope for. So this one comes out in October. And uh, how soon will you follow on with the second one? I'm hoping the next one will be out in May and then again in August for the third one. So basically by this time next year, the three should be out. And the way that I've written them, you can read one on its own and you can read them in any order. But obviously, if you read one, two and three, maybe make more sense. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but they are standalone books as well. You know, they, are, they do stand on their own. But my hope is that I've left enough teasers in the first one that you really want to get the second one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, leave you hanging. Yes. As, uh, I mean, that's the, the, the whole thing about a trilogy. You come out of a movie or you've read a book. And, you know, I was the nerd when the Harry Potter books came out. You know, I was the one that went and bought it, shut myself off for two days and just read the book straight. You yeah. know, <laughs> um, because that's what I love to do. I'm not a chapter a day. Just let me get into the book and, you know, juicy. So I'm looking forward to your book coming out. It's kind of, you know, it sounds very much like my kind of read. And uh, I'm dying to meet Bernice. And uh, see how she, you know, what happens to her in her life that changes her on the direct. And I'm glad that you're you're taking her, you know, showing her darkness because there isn't any living person on this planet that hasn't known darkness. Mm -hmm. And it's to understand we come out of the dark when we're willing to see the light. And so we have to understand our darkness in order to understand how to find the light. Yeah, that's true. I mean, sometimes there comes a point where you've just got to let it go whatever it is that's holding you back and stopping you from doing, you know, from enjoying your life, you've got to let it go. Yes. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people try and shed a light on something that's so bright it actually blinds people. And and if you're coming out of a darkness, you know, open up one curtain at a time. You don't have to open up every curtain in the house. You let the light seep in so it doesn't blind you, so you're not so intimidated by it. And just... Forget about the shadows at your back. The more and more you move forward to the light, the more and more those shadows will fall away. And, yeah. and it's just being willing to walk forward. Yep, I think that's true. I mean, it can be difficult when you're really down, but there, there is always, you know, there's a way ahead. There's that saying, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. And I, and I always say, just make sure it's not a train coming into the station. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> definitely. Oops, I'm yeah. on the tracks. How did I get here? Oh, it's that goblet of wine. <laughs> Brimstick, yeah. fly. Oh, I've got I it know. the wrong way round. <laughs> yes. Mm. And I think that's the key, right? Keep a sense of humour over life. You know, sometimes I know it can get exasperating. You know, up to two days ago, I didn't have a home to go to and I have to be out at the end of the month. And yes, it was getting a bit exasperating. And then you just have to take that deep breath and there's that one there. Out of all the rejects, there's that one there. And when you take that deep breath and just say, okay, show me, show me the one, suddenly it comes up. And that, and it's right for you. 
Yep, and in two weeks you'll be in your new home. Yep, you can sit. You can sit down with my book, a glass of red wine, and think life is good. <laughs> Absolutely excellent. The winter sun coming in through the uh, through the through the window, curled up on my chair, reading a book, and most certainly the uh, the glass of red wine in hand. And I will enjoy it tremendously. <laughs> so, love a good book, especially in the winter. So. <laughs> Um, you know, great that you, I mean, I, I interview people that, you know, have become writers and it's, you know, it's writers on their work or it's, you know, manuals on how to, which is great. Um, but for me, I really do learn through a story. Yes. You know, I'm always going to see something of myself or an answer I'm seeking, something that inspires me to move forward. And it always comes through a story. So I love the way, you know, the way you're writing this. Thank you very much. That's high praise indeed. <laughs> so, ah, uh, the book comes out at the end of October. You also write uh, for various magazines. Um, you're not doing your yoga too much, but and you're finishing up the other books. What's what's next for you? A big long rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm still working. I work in my day job as well, you know, and I've got my family, so. I'm very busy all the time, but I'm just determined that I'm going to make this work for me and finish the the three books. And is there a possible movie, do you think, that could be made out of these books? Well, I don't know about a movie. That's a bit far-fetched for me, for where I am, but I would like to do a play because I'm I'm interested in theatre and I've written for theatre before. Right. So I'm thinking this would make a good stage show. Great. Yes, and and if, if Spielberg wants to sign me up, then obviously <laughs> <laughs> give him my number. No? Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's sometimes uh, that you know uh, the stage presence, especially maybe for a character like Bernice, will bring her more to a life, you know, than than a movie would, uh, because there is something about the stage, isn't it, where you know it just has its own energy. Yes, it does have its own energy, and and I think a lot of movies now there's just too much digital enhancement yes much that's just I, I would like to see it done and performed on stage as i'm working a closer to the audience yeah you know more, more personal, realistic more yes yeah my mother was a theatrical actress and uh, i remember when they asked her to do a radio play and i had to be in the sound booth with her and not say a word not breathe a word but my face and my body had to react and, uh, you know, there I am miming my reaction just so that she had an audience because she was a stage actress. Yeah. And, you know, your audience, the vibration of your audience is going to change that performance night after night. And she needed an audience because she couldn't react just to a microphone. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's just yeah. different. A lot of actors, they act on the stage and they do films and television. It's, it's all different media, but, you know, there's different ways of doing it. But when you, when you writing for it as well. Yeah, exactly. But when you talk to them, if they're from the stage, they do the movies and everything else for, you know, the notoriety, for the for the pay, for the experience. But where is their passion? It's on the stage. Yeah, because I think on the stage as well, it's instant. Yes. If you make a mistake, you've got to cover it up or make it work for you. Yeah. Or And if someone in the audience is shouting, heckling, whatever, you've got to deal with that. So yeah. It's more hands-on. I mean, films are great. I do watch a lot of films, but I think a lot of them, there is far too much for me, the fantasy digital aspect. And, you know, I just want to see things done real. Yeah. <laughs> like well, the, the real thing is things. about theatre is that it's personal. You know, yeah. you are you are part of that play. As an audience member, your reaction to the play is part of, of what makes that play go. You know, those actors rely on the audience's vibration, uh, goodwill, participation, in order to deliver their pro- uh, their um, performance. Yeah, I think at the interval in theatre as well, more people tend to talk about it than they yeah. do a film. Yeah, definitely. Yes, so I agree. I think a play would be absolutely one for it and really allow Bernice to have, you know, really shine in a, in a different way, not get lost, yes. as you say, in the special effects. So... <laughs> So then, then definitely, when the play comes, I have to have a trip over to uh, Scotland to see it. Well, you, 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 you might need a different passport after Thursday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? Mm. But I mean, this is you know great, and I'm glad that you're doing this. And you know, 
as I said, you know, thank you for embracing your diva, your passion, and not putting it off, not selling yourself short, not saying, well, I haven't done it, so, you know, who says I can do it now? Just knowing, okay, it is time, and I'm going to do it, and not letting things get in your way. So kudos to you for that. Thank you, and thank you very much, Sarah, for taking the time to speak to me. It's been really, really interesting. I've enjoyed it. Well, no problem, no problem at all. It's been a delight. Now, will you let people know what your site is and how they can order the book and how they can get hold of you? Okay, um, my website is www.cathie.com. Just my name, kathydavitt.com. Um and uh, also, if you wanted to join the blog, it's the crazy world of uk, which will be on the posting. So all of that is there. And, yes. uh, you know, start interacting with Bernice. Get to know her. Let her come alive. Because in Bernice, there's a little of everybody in there. And kind of discover, you know, what you could see of yourself in her. And uh, I, re- you know, really wish the book very, very well. And... Um, and you know when you've got the second book come back and let's uh, let's do a show on that one fantastic thank you uh, so stay with me love and I'll say goodbye to the audience and folks don't forget to be kind to yourself be adventurous never sell yourself short you are truly amazing bye for now <laughs>